thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Welcome back to another episode of Mums the Word. It's Kaz Jaff here, your hostess, and we are discussing all about expats returning home, a topic that is also, I guess, important to me on a personal level, and I know definitely important to a lot of my listeners out there. Having moved from overseas myself in the past year, um, I have listeners in the Netherlands, and I also have listeners in Australia, and of course, other countries as well. But I know we have lots of uh, expat uh, parents out there, so this is going to be one for you. My guest, Michal Greener, is an Australian writer whose work has been published in the Washington's Post on parenting, in Salon, The Daily Life and The Good Weekend. And she recently returned home after uh, living in the Netherlands for seven years. Michal writes about topical issues and is especially interested in examining cross-cultural approaches to parenting. I'm not going to give too much away about um, what Michal and I have in common. Um, You'll have to listen to the episode But uh, it's a great conversation and we were having this uh, conversation just over coffee one day and I thought, you know, people need to hear this and she's got some great tips. And uh, if you go to her website where her portfolio sits, you'll see that a lot of um, articles that she's written on the topic and I guess you could call her an expert. And she's also a mum of three. So enjoy the episode. Hey, Michal. So happy to have you on the show. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Hey, Kaz. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. Um, well, I'm a freelance writer from Melbourne originally. I grew up in Melbourne and after I had two kids, my husband and I moved over to the Netherlands. Um, our kids were three and nearly one at that point and we went over for a year, maybe two, and ended up staying for seven years and recently came back earlier this year to Melbourne, back with three kids. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it's um, you say it like it's something really easy. Um, having made a move overseas as uh, well without without children, that was hard enough. But doing it with two little ones, um, I definitely want to hear more about that whole experience. And of course, yeah, I mean, returning home. This is what this episode is all about. So yeah, tell us a bit about your journey. Well, at the time, it didn't feel like such a big deal. People kept on telling us how brave we were being, and a lot of the time, I suspected they really meant crazy and were being a little bit polite. <laughs> It didn't feel that brave. It just felt like we were restless for a change and we thought we'd give it a shot and if it worked out, it worked out and if not, we'd come home. And in retrospect, like, you know, kids at that age are a lot of work regardless of where you are, but it's sort of easier in lots of ways too just because, you know, they don't have that attachment to home. You know, wherever we are is their home. So they're really actually portable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, you weren't really moving third world also, so... You have access to everything. Exactly. And I think if there's anywhere you're going to go that isn't English speaking, the Netherlands is probably one of the easiest places in the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think the listeners listeners know by now that I also lived in Holland for a very long time, 11 years to be exact, and have also returned home. Um, So this is also on a personal level. I I understand where you're at with um, returning with kids. But um, what about the whole move generally settling into a new culture with kids, I mean, obviously not knowing, you know, 
the language um, is one thing, but where to get things? I mean, just generally how the whole system works. How did, how did the whole navigation go? It was a steep learning curve. We arrived on Christmas Day, so the streets were deserted. Um, David's, my husband's work, had put in some food in our kitchen, which we were very grateful for. You know, we met the neighbours. We went to the neighbours' New Year's party. It was all really nice. And then, you know, in Holland, it's a long, dark winter and people are sort of inside for most of it. So it was quite isolating in the beginning. And uh, my middle daughter, well, my, then my youngest daughter, turned one a few days after we arrived. My oldest daughter was three. So it was a lot of intense time at home with two little kids on different sleep schedules. And after a few months, you know, in that March period where the weather starts to turn and people are out and about again, a neighbour popped over and told me about the Australian club. And the neighbour was Australian and she had lived in, in The Hague for a long time. And she put me in touch with a woman who organised the mothers group at that point. And that was sort of the beginning of having a lifeline and a connection and a way to integrate into the community there. It was really accessible. It was women with a similar background similar age children and they were just an amazing resource. I think wherever you end up in the world, you've got to find that group that can just give you the information because I had spent hours and hours, you know, Googling kindergartens and schools and just had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, then I spoke to these women and they were like, no, you've got to go to this place or this place and this place and this is where you find your groceries and it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine when you're on the internet, I mean, they're only sharing their amazing testimonials. They're only sharing, you know, the gorgeous looking kids on the kindergarten <laughs> website looking all clean and healthiest organic food. And, you know, like it's true, someone who actually knows the way on the ground, um, yeah, it can give you a real obviously, uh, I guess, direct line to where you need to go and save you a lot of time and heartache. Exactly. And I had a bit of a panic because, you know, in Holland, they start school on their fourth birthday and people are enrolling their children in school from when they're born. And we arrived and my daughter was three and we, there was just no way that could take her. And someone told me about a school. And I must have read online about this school that has is for new immigrants and, you know, helps them assimilate and learn Dutch. So I thought, this is a great fit. And I rang the council to, found, to find out more about it. And the man at the council told me that you don't want to send your child there. It's it's a black school, which, you know, I couldn't actually believe. You know, in Australia, no one would ever speak like that. And I was just gobsmacked by the, you know, Dutch directness because he was saying basically it's a school for immigrants from, you know, Turkey and Morocco and that's not where you want to go. So it was an interesting learning curve in that way too. We ended up finding a local Dutch school. Um, she was allocated to a school. We didn't like it so much. We were told the way to get in is just a hassle. So we found this great little Montessori school near our house and we hassled away and luckily she got a spot. And it was also, that was the start of our real integration into Dutch society, going to a Dutch school, which I think made a huge difference for everyone feeling part of the community. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy. It's one of the reasons I think when I was looking at where to move, I didn't really want to move to London. A lot of Australians move there and they tend to hang out in the suburb where all the Aussies live and they all speak English and they really just pluck themselves out of Melbourne and then go and live there and then come back after a little stint and there's no real cultural expansion. So um, I guess, you know, moving to Holland and, and, ra and sort of plunking yourself in the community, you know, you really get to see the other culture, which I guess was maybe not the original reason you went. I guess the job was probably um, the enticing factor. But, um, yeah, I mean, you've walked away with so much richness also for your children. 
Yeah, the kids are a great way to get integrated into a community. It's just, you know, a way to strike up a conversation in the park and to have a relationship with the neighbours when the kids are playing in the street together. And then at the Dutch school, it's just a great way to integrate yourself. I think it's much easier than if you're just moving there as adults. And my husband wanted to go to a non-English speaking country, so he was much more excited about the cultural exposure than I was, mainly because I was just worried about the language issue. So the Netherlands is really good for that perspective, that it was accessible for me, you know, everyone speaks English, but then we could also learn another language and learn about the culture on that level that you learn when you're having children there and your kids are going to school there and playing on the street. It's just a really different perspective, I think, you get into a community, which I was really grateful for, because I think it really opened up my eyes to a whole other way of doing things. Certainly. And did you work there? When I moved there, I was in the middle of a PhD in Melbourne and I tried to keep that up for a little bit and it didn't work out very well. Then I got pregnant a few months, about six months later, and it was only when my youngest was two that I started working again um, as a freelance writer. So working from home and doing a lot of work sort of based in some Dutch news pieces and then doing a lot of work in Australia as well. Of course, I can't help but ask because this is a um, birth-related podcast, your whole experience of birthing in Holland versus Australia and just the the access um, to choice. Tell me a little bit about that. I loved having a baby in Holland. I don't think I would have loved it if it was my first child, to be honest. Mm -hmm. As a third child, it was great. Uh, I remember going into the midwife's waiting room and seeing all these brochures in Dutch and thinking, I don't need them because I understand, but if this was my first time, I would really want to be reading all this information, which, of course, you know, there's the internet. But for a third birth, I, I loved it. I was in Melbourne. I wanted to have, you know, not only a good hospital, but a hospital with emergency facilities for the baby and for me. And, you know, I was very, like, Safety, safety, safety. Very safety, safety, safety. And just not wanting to leave anything to chance and having an obstetrician and all this, you know. And I think by the time I got to Holland, I I trusted in my body and knew about the experience to have that confidence to make the decision to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. And I also, all that neurotic stuff, let's call it that, in Melbourne, I actually did the same thing in Holland. I just read a lot, looked into the research and was really comfortable that especially for someone in my position that had already had two births when nothing, you know, it was all uncomplicated and natural that it was actually a really good chance of everything going really smoothly at home. So I was felt like really confident in the decision. Having two other children at home and really no family support, the idea of having the baby at home and the kids being able to hopefully sleep through it all was really appealing to me. And I did, yeah, I did a lot of research into it and I felt really comfortable with it. I loved how the midwives and the doctors worked together so seamlessly that whenever there was an issue, you know, towards the end of the pregnancy, there was an issue that she wasn't moving enough. So they sent me, the midwife sent me to the doctor. The doctor was comfortable with it, sent me back to the midwife. It just didn't feel like in Australia, I often feel that they're at loggerheads with each other and competing for turf. And in Holland, I just loved that the whole system felt really integrated and that you were getting this great personalised, more organic approach from the midwives. But then if there was any issue that needed medical care, the doctors were there and really supportive of you going back to the midwife. It didn't feel like you were being judged or anything like that. 
I think also when you take the financial element out of it, I mean, there is no private obstetrician over there. There is no choosing the private hospital and the going to the Hyatt suite afterwards and the, you know, like, right? I mean, you, you absolutely. Laugh, but that's what happens in Melbourne. I mean, that choose, you know, a certain hospital according to which hotel they get to go out after <laughs> for three or four days. I mean, for the listeners that don't know, I mean, that's something that happens. But more so that in Holland, you have a lady that comes to your house. I think it's for the first six days, is it? Or eight days? I can't remember if it's eight days, six hours, or six days, eight hours. I can't remember. But literally comes to your home to help you. And when it's not your, um, well, when it's for your first, it's amazing because they teach you a lot of things. But when it's your second or third or fourth, then they're there also helping with the children in the home. It was amazing, especially when you don't have family there. And I used to say to people, like, it was great having family here when my other daughters were born. But no one was offering to come over and clean my toilets for me, you know? Like, uh, Kramzog was just amazing. She, ours was supposed to come over for eight days, and I think after a couple of days with all three children, she felt so sorry for me that she organised another couple of days with the health insurance. <laughs> so, yeah, I had it for 10 days, and she was preparing meals for me and helping with the other kids and cleaning the house, and she was just a godsend. It was amazing. Yeah, the system is amazing in that sense as well. And and just getting back to the whole home birth, it's it's really so supported that, you know, you're not feeling like this raging hippie, you know, outsider yeah. who, you know, who doesn't can obviously consider safety. I mean, of course we do, you know. I just, yeah, I just obviously, you know, my mum was at my first um a child's birth and it was you know for her to see a home water birth I mean it was almost like you know the difference you know I guess the space between oh my god this is so radical versus like this is pretty cool watching my grandchild <laughs> being born you know like it was just one of those like you didn't know which stance to be in I think it was just totally different different culture different experience so um I guess you know this episode's obviously about um returning home and um, I want to delve into a little bit about that um, obviously with children it's you know by ourselves is one factor but with kids it's another because there are probably lots of listeners out there who are about to make a move with kids to a new culture but they're also um, ones uh, you know returning home and we both know it's not it's not a bed of roses. No I, my kids have really struggled with it and it's hard to know what is just a natural part of the process and what could have been done differently. But they felt, you know, they we always reinforced their Australian identity and they came home and visited every two years and knew their family really well and family came over. So they had lots of close connections in Australia, but they also felt very Dutch, as funny as it may sound. But they had only gone to Dutch schools. They, they really felt part of the community and that was their home. And that was really hard for them to say goodbye. We struggled with how much ahead of time to tell them. We thought too long will drag it out, too short will be, you know, too too much of a hard sort of sharp end. So we settled on about two months, which was too long and too short simultaneously. And it was a difficult move for them. It really felt like it dragged on the goodbyes, but it felt like everyone really needed to say goodbye properly. And that was probably the most important thing for all of us was just to feel that you know, we'd said goodbye to each room in the house individually and say goodbye to friends and the kids got these friendship books to record all their memories of their friends and it really felt important to do it properly before coming home. Mm -hmm. And then what about the whole integrating, I guess? I mean, you've got three school-aged children, um, all of obviously different ages and how the experiences um, was for them. How was that? 
starting mm. school in the other side of the world again in their own language, I guess. Well, it was funny because technically it is their own language. It's their mother tongue. But for two of them, they'd never learned in English before. So that was amazing for them. But technically they were starting as, you know, English as a second language students. So that was sort of interesting. Um, look, they knew people at the school, which I think made a big difference that they had, each of them had a friend in their year level. So that was sort of a touchstone that of something of the familiar. So I think that was great that they had that connection before starting. And how did that happen? Is that from earlier days or yes, that just from visiting home? No, that was from earlier days. They were they met each other when they were born, roughly each of them. <laughs> so, gotcha. so that you know, so that was really nice for them. And when we talk about the first you know few weeks back at school, they always talk about that. And I don't think like I think it helped that it was a really good friend, but I think anyone would have been great just to have a familiar face. Mm-hmm. And you know, they've settled in. I think it's just a matter of time. I don't know that there's much else that we could have done differently. I think they really miss Holland and they miss their friends there very much. It's a different educational system too. They're at a traditional school now. Um, two out of the three were at a Montessori school when we left. So there's a lot of newness um, and there's a lot, you know, learning another language effectively of reading and writing. But I think nine months down the track, they're feeling more settled. Yeah. And, you know, they've got the family to come back to. They've got friends. There's a network in the community. But I think in the end it just comes down to time and just having it become their new normal. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. And, and of course, I want to touch on um, for you, you know, how that is just on a personal personal level, obviously returning where you don't necessarily have your tribe in the mothering group kind of situation. I mean, I know you've probably got school friends, but uh, I'm – I'd love you to share your whole triangle philosophy or, you know, theory. Ah, yes, the triangle. So the triangle idea comes from the Facebook group that was set up. Um, and the idea is that you go to one country as a square and you come out of that country as a circle. And so you become a triangle. So you don't fit into country A where you come from and you don't fit into country B where you went completely. hope I explained that correctly. But the idea is that you don't fit into either country properly and you become a hybrid of both countries or yeah. all countries if you've been to more countries and you become a triangle. Yeah, I mean the way I see it is that, you know, you're different now and, you know, the people you thought you'd connect with, who you were close with before, you know, it was either pre-children or, um, yeah, just generally they're busy with their normal life and then you're the new addition and we sort of expect, you know, that, oh, it's all going to slip back into how it was. But we're also different as well and there's, you know, tied in with school parties and school swimming lessons and everyone's just busy. Yeah, and it feels like everyone's much busier than they were in Holland. Like I felt that people saw each other more there or there was something, you know, there wasn't as much of a focus on after-school activities and people were more in their neighbourhoods and it felt like a lot more of a community. And I find here it's difficult because when I left, my kids weren't at school and I've come back and there's this whole school system and infrastructure that I really have to learn and how things work. Like I remember going to the toy shop for someone's birthday when I got back here and asking the sales assistant how much do people spend on children's toys because I had no frame of reference for it at all. <laughs> but I feel like people just think it should we've just sort of slotted back into where we belong and it's sort of easy and seamless and it's hard to sort of reconcile it all and make sense of, yeah, where you fit in anymore because it is your home. You look like everyone, you sound like everyone don't have this you know accent that's making you stand out all the time yeah everyone just assumes you've been here the whole time 
Exactly. So someone complimented my daughter on her reading the other day and I told them actually, I was like, well, she's actually just started learning this year. Like she's, you know, fluent in Dutch and, you, you know, didn't even cross their mind. So it's just, there's a lot of assumptions and it sort of feels hard to, I think, you know, it was interesting because I spoke to someone else who was also living in Holland with me and moved back at the same time. And she described it that, you know, we're boring here. We're just the same as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> You get used to being different, which is exhausting in its own way, but in some ways it's nice too. It's a conversation starter, you know, all those things. And yeah, here- it's a bit unique in a way. Yeah, you, people know automatically that you're different from somewhere else just from when you open your mouth. Yeah, you don't even have to, I found in Holland. Like I found I would just look confused and someone would switch over into English straight away. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I know you personally, so, I mean, you know, you're not six foot tall, so that might <laughs> There are a lot of clothes. Every time I used to like lock up my bike, I used to think, if nothing else, this gives me away because it's taking me three minutes to do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, I've I've never um I've never had to take my pants up before I moved to Holland. You know, so you know over here I'm tall <laughs> and over there I'm average, and yeah. pants are made a lot longer in the store. So you must have really had to take your pants up. Really had to take them up. <laughs> I kept on telling my daughter, who's very tall, that she was just average in Holland. And I was saying, back in Australia, on those height charts that I got when she was born, she was on the 90th percentile. And back here, sorry, yeah, over there, she's in the 50th. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. What about some tips? I mean, you, you shared a little bit about, um, you know, saying goodbye in the books. I mean, that sounds really sweet. And also just your thoughts on not sharing the news with the girls, um, you know, too early. Um, any other tips that come to mind or resources or, or anything that you'd love to share? Well, there's resources wise, I found the I'm a Triangle Facebook group that I mentioned really helpful for me, just in terms of reading other people's experiences on repatriation and not feeling so alone, especially, you know, in the confusion that comes back. So I found that really helpful. Um, the friendship book was really great because it was something, I know I mentioned it, so there's something tangible for the kids to hold on to especially when everything's still in boxes when they come back and a few special toys and reminders. And we've still got a few things, you know, around the house that are just special memories. It's something tangible I think is really important for them. Yeah. Um, we went to the Dutch club when we moved back in this idea that we'll try and continue the culture. And I think that was a bit tricky. I think it depends on the children and the age. I found my youngest found it quite distressing because she'd already lost a lot of her Dutch by then. And so that was confusing for her. And otherwise, we went on this big Australian road trip <laughs> not long after we got back. And I felt like that was really positive for everyone because we're sort of keeping up this sense of adventure that we had in Europe and a reintroduction to their home. Yeah, so I you could do that. Yeah, it was just, you know, a camping trip, but it was just nice to sort of keep that sense of discovery alive. Almost be a tourist in your country. Exactly, because I think the kids really like that bit of living overseas and, and they really got a lot out of it. So it's nice to be able to extend that into home. You know, we spoke about just jumping on the tram and going into the other side of town and and just like think trying to be positive, like really validating their feelings about missing home but also trying to be positive about all the opportunities that are here. And, you know, they love being around their family and having that extended network and cousins. So 
that's really nice for them too. I think as a parent, it's just very hard to keep the big picture in perspective and not just have your heart break for them when they're really missing like their home. I mean, my daughter still misses her bedroom. (laughs) Nine months later, this tiny little, you know, we used to call it the box room because it was such a tiny little half bedroom, but she misses that still. So it's just good to not always just indulge that melancholy but also keep things in perspective and there was a reason we moved back and there's a lot to miss but there's a lot to enjoy here as well. Yeah, I think with the age as well you can have those conversations about, you know, the decisions and like you said, the benefits of way here and having family and things like that. I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's double, you know, because the younger ones just go with the move and don't know anything else. Um, yeah, I see. I see what you mean with uh, having made the move over there now in hindsight that you just, yeah, it's almost like ignorant bliss in a way. Yeah. You just, you just make the move and you don't know any different as well. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what drives you and what gets you up in the morning. Well, very literally, it's the kids <laughs> every morning. Um, I love finding out about other people and other cultures and, the way things work around me and I think that's just something that was really ignited living in Holland and just noticing the little bits of daily life that are different and I think that's something that really still motivates me especially in my writing and reading about other cultures and other cultural approaches to things. I think Holland really opened up my eyes to this whole other way of doing things that you don't get when you're just in the same headspace all the time and now I've come back and it still drives me because it's just great to notice the little details in daily life that are different and the different approaches and and just realizing really how big and multifaceted things are in all the little details around you yeah from from doing everything on a bike like you're shopping and um you know um all 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 the transportation even in your house like this morning my daughter of six she said i really want a house with stairs in it (laughs) kind of like this you know you've reached some level when you have a double story house in Australia I don't know it's like I really want a house with stairs and I was like we had like four sets of stairs in the old house you know lived on the fourth, third and fourth floor <laughs> stairs galore and I think all I longed for was to live on one floor drive in the driveway not have to carry that shopping up the stairs and you know have the baby sitting in the bike and you know all those little um, you know, things you have to do to basically make it all work when there's a little one asleep in the bike and the shopping's in the bike. So <laughs> on the floor. I mean, all these little situations I used to post, you know, on Facebook to friends and they're just like, how do you even do it? It's like, well, you just do it, don't you? So I've longed, I've longed for the hour to just do my shopping, take the trolley to the car, you know, at the supermarket, take the trolley back and then drive in the driveway, unpack the shopping. And I never would be thinking about another set of stairs at this point in time. You know, I'm still almost traumatized, but it's just that, their their eyes i mean you know they see it so differently and already she's yeah sounding like an aussie (laughs) yeah (laughs) my kids are also obsessed about stairs it's really interesting i don't know what it is they talk about it all the time they ask a friend is your house of stairs that's the only consideration right it's really weird and it wouldn't matter if you were living on this massive like estate (laughs) but if it was just one story I know what it is. Yeah, I mean, we had stair gates, you know, and it's like yeah. so my kids could, you know, the dog could even walk the stairs really quickly and, and downstairs and kids walk the stairs very, very early. You just learn to trust and then that's part of their life. It's almost like how they learn to ride a bike over there so soon. I know. I wonder what that is. Bizarre. Um, so if you can go back in time and, you know, I guess the first time you were pregnant, 
And because how old how old is your eldest now? Nine, isn't she? No, nearly eleven. Nearly eleven, right? So eleven, yeah, eleven years ago. If you could go back in time and um, you know, and just tell yourself some advice about the whole mothering journey and not knowing that you would ever move overseas or anything like that, what would you share with yourself about motherhood? I would tell myself just that it's just constantly changing and you just have to give in to that element of it and not cling on to stages or or transitions too much because, you know, parenting an almost 11-year-old and looking back and all the years, so much changes and personality-wise for the kids and for yourself and just to, yeah, I think be a lot more unattached to to the moments as they go and just realise that it's all part of a bigger picture and to have that flexibility to be able to move as the children move and respond to what they need and not this idea of what they should need. Yeah, surrender basically. Surrender, I think that's a perfect word for it. I think parenting has been so humbling because I had all these ideas and, you know, read up and all these notions of how things would be and should be. And I think the whole thing has been a big exercise in surrendering because they have their own personalities and their own way of approaching things and doing things and their own values. And you've got to work with what you get and not this, you know, idea of how things should be. Yeah. And I don't even know if 11 years ago you were dealing with iPads and iPhone. I mean, you know, things are changing just between the different children, I guess, you know, even the way they're learning at school, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's a different world these days. So I like that. Just move with the times, be open and surrender and go with the flow. Yeah, and it's a great word for it. Which one? Surrender. Surrender. Yeah, yeah, with a bit of a little bit of control, maybe. <laughs> yeah, with a bit of flexibility about it. Yeah, like yeah, I just think it's just amazing how much things change. I was reading about how kids these days are not getting the eye contact from mums when they're breastfeeding because the mums are on the phone. And it made me feel so old to think I don't know that I had a phone or that I could do much with it. I couldn't remember. Like, I remember watching television when I was feeding, but not the phone. So it's just amazing. Mm, wow. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if that's from breast. Yeah. Wow. Because the whole thing with their visual field is that it's almost at that same distance as well for that eye. Yeah. Interesting. Because I, I, I sort of, the things that I notice more that the child is just not engaging because they're themselves put on the technology. Oh, look, it's a constant battle <laughs> with the technology in our house and I'm just trying to resist it as long as possible, you know, to have it consuming everyone. But it's a big challenge, especially when next year she's supposed to be having a computer for school. Yeah. So No, and also when they they give you things to do on the iPad at home, like the mathletics and the reading eggs and the, the things like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's difficult when one is, well, like in my situation with a preschooler, almost yeah almost three-year-old who you know you really don't want on and then someone who yeah you kind of got the um you want to make sure that they're staying up staying up with everything in the class yeah it's crazy what about some of the best advice that you ever received whether it be relocating or just in the motherhood journey or or something you know something that you'd like to share Oh, I think two things. One is I know it's been said a thousand times but just reminding myself and people just how resilient kids are on so many levels, especially with the moves. Like I think a lot of people thought we were being very irresponsible um, moving over, you know, and taking away all the security from the kids and familiarity. And I think we felt we were a bit irresponsible coming back in, in a funny way too because we were just yanking them out of their lives. And I think, you know, kids are incredibly resilient and a lot of things that 
are difficult for them, does, you know, does actually build up character and, and their ability to be able to trust in themselves too. And I think the other thing is finding your tribe and your people, no matter where in the world you are, you know, just get access to that community of support wherever, you know, wh whichever form it takes. Like I don't think it had to be an Australian club where I was and I met lots of other people along the journey and finding different groups. I just think you need people that you can actually say, you know, today's been a really rough day and to have that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, that whole takes a, takes a village to raise a child, it's so true. Yeah. You know, and I think the people that do struggle are the ones that feel isolated and that is really, really a huge risk in a new culture, especially if there's a language barrier. Absolutely. And I don't think as I think online forums and communities are great to a point, but I think you also just need that face to face interaction and, you know, to look into someone's eyes and have a coffee or a glass of wine and actually connect on that level as well. Yeah, and I think most of the groups that I've ever been in, um, they do organise meetups and, you know, even just getting the kids to play in the park together or the, or the mum's night out and, and things like that as well. Um, I definitely know that the, the big group in Amsterdam, Amsterdam Mummers, which I think is over 10,000 members now, I mean, they're constantly um, putting up resources and, you know, the, the founder, Emmy, she, you know, she's constantly working basically on that same theory that it takes a village to raise a child, that no one is left, you know, on their own, especially, you know, when it comes to Holland and that winter is, you know, it's so cold and it's so long and dark and, you know, I guess the whole Northern Europe is, is you know, is dealing with the same thing. So if you're new in that culture and you, you can really get lost, you know, in the wash. Absolutely. I remember the following winter after we arrived, I was so grateful to have people's houses to go to because I realised that's what everyone was doing, you know, people weren't at the parks and it was just so nice to have those people around. It's really funny because for my for my sort of feeling about The Hague is it's very, you know, expat-based. There's so many more English schools and Eng well, at least from the experience of not having lived there and from what, you know, you gather is just because there's so many, I guess, diplomats and internationals and you know big companies I just I felt like the Hague would be much easier well I think it's just pockets and I think it's just finding out where to go we also sent ourselves over so we didn't have access to those resources that you have when someone sends you over and you get you know these are the groups and this is where you go and this is so we didn't actually have that so I think that we're a bit on you know behind the eight ball on that so no relocation service finding where you should live or anything like that no, no, no. It was just, yeah, we just sort of guessed. And in the end, it was the neighbourhood that we loved and we stayed in the whole time we were there. But, um, no, it was just us sort of giving it a shot. So it was great. Like, it was a great sense of accomplishment. And that's also part of the challenge of going home is finding the ways to get that sense of accomplishment because they're going to the supermarket and finding the cottage cheese after a year of looking. You know, it was a massive accomplishment. <laughs> So that's, a, that's also part of the challenge of coming back is things are much easier in many ways, so you've got to sort of find those challenges elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, then, of course, I mean, you know, had the kids had Vegemite while they were over there? They did. There was like two shops that had these sorts of things, so we'd get it as a treat. <laughs> so they grew up with it, yeah, because I, I, I really tried to let my kids obviously grow up from the start, you know, because if you get that as an adult, you're not into it. Salty, right? <laughs> this is for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about. It's a very salty, dark thing that us Australians put Ooh. on our toast. And, yeah, look, I think it's been used in a lot of dares and YouTube videos. <laughs> Definitely go and Google Vegemite. Um, but I think, uh, you know, also missing some of the Dutch foods coming home as well. Um, oh, 
Our local supermarket had a sale on for the week of Dutch foods. We went three times just to stock up on all this rubbish we never bought when we were there. And the kids were so emotional about it. Like it was just really like one of them was in tears at the supermarket. So it was nice. I know. But it's just these tangible things because you just sort of, yeah, take them for granted while you're there. And then it was really nice. It was really special to have it back here and yeah, the hachaslag, the chocolate sprinkles and all these sorts of things. So it was, yeah, it was nice. And did you buy the typical, uh, the the little poffertures frying pan that most people who leave? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Neither. Neither. Oh, we obviously failed that one. <laughs> I remember having them in Melbourne beforehand at all the little markets and stuff, so I think that's why they didn't excite me as much. Fair enough. You know, I know there's a few typical things that people always tend to do before they move home. Yeah. We got the Fleisch and Scrapper. I'm pronouncing it terribly. You know what I mean? They're the Fleisch and Scrapper? No, as in the cheese slice. No, I can't believe I'm publicly like showing how bad my pronunciation is. It's the plastic gizmo. I was using it today thinking it's my favourite thing from Holland. It's the plastic gizmo with like a plastic stick with a semicircle of rubber at the end that you use to scrape out the bottom of a jar. Oh, I didn't have one of those. You don't have it? I've got spares. You know what I do have, but they sell it at Ikea, but I was introduced to it first, um, which is Ikea for people who live <laughs> Um, Is that apple slicer. You know how it cores and slices the apples all in one go? Like We have that. Yeah, but that's not Dutch, but I was introduced to that. I think it's amazing. You know, like, yeah. And slicing up an apple, it's just done with one push and the kids love it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think it's just the cheese, the cheese slicer. That I used to always bring people home as well for the Dutch hard cheese. Yeah, that's a great one. But this Wouldn't jar it? scraper, oh, this sounds good. It's awesome. <laughs> like 80 cents at home. <laughs> yeah, well, I will be going there on my next trip, so I guess I know where to go. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you are doing lots of writing and um, sharing this part of your yourself and I guess your your experience uh, with others in, in big uh, um in big arenas. Um, could you tell people, I guess, where they could find more about the work that you're doing if they wanted to see your portfolio and just some of your articles? Yeah, sure. Um, the portfolio is on com. so M-I-H-A-L-G-R-E-N-E-R.com. And, yeah, it's got a mix of things, a whole lot of different topics. So hopefully um, people will find something interesting to read there. Nice, nice. And then I just have a question. You feel You feel settled yourself? Yeah, I think we're getting there. I think that whole thing about a year being the time it takes, which is what we were told feels about right. Mm. It's sort of leading into 10 months now and I don't know how much of it is settling in and how much of it is just forgetting an older life. But, yeah, it feels like we're getting there. Yeah, and if you had the opportunity now, let's say they said, okay, there's a job going for you in South Africa, what would your feelings Oh, I don't know if my parents are going to listen to the podcast or not. Um, <laughs> I would be very tempted, I've got to say. I mean, it would be the only thing that would hold me back would be the kids. And I think because they're older, they would need to be involved in the discussion. But personally, I would be up for it. I just love the sense of adventure and challenge and exposure to a new culture. And it's kind of addictive. Yeah, no, that's what took me over. That's what generally took me over. And I had yeah. the goal I'll stay more than two, less than five years. And, you know, I, I took the job before I went, but I could have taken a job anywhere, you know, that was safe. Um, I think for me as well, the kids, as, as much as it's been a challenge, I think they've also helped the transition into home easier. And I think whether that be the school yeah. or the community, if you were just the two of you and let's say, you know, David went to work and you were writing, I mean, even your work as a freelance writer, it's quite isolating in itself. 
you know, I think having the kids is allowed to build that community very quickly. Absolutely agree. And just the structure that you get for your life and, you know, taking them to the swimming lessons and the birthday parties, it just feels like a real life much quicker. Yeah. Agreed. And even just getting up in the morning, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially getting up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've loved this episode. Um, just, you know, hearing more about your journey and also some of the tips, but also just, I guess, reliving, knowing that we're going through a similar thing. And I'm sure many listeners out there, just because I have obviously listeners in Amsterdam and it is fairly, I guess, Holland itself is fairly um, transitionary, transition based with a lot of expats living in the centre of Europe there because it's, I guess, English speaking um, on the whole. Um, yeah, I've really loved and thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing and giving back. Thanks, Kaz. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.